Um, oh, there we go. Uh, Gene Ireland is going to come on up. He is um, a part of Mission a Aviation Fellowship on loan by Moody Bible. Um, and so Gene has been coming out, I think, like a, a I think it's three times, right, to this, maybe four. At least three, yeah. Yeah, at least three times. Um, I love this ministry. One of the reasons why uh, we do, we, we don't just show you missionaries from the Alliance because um, we want us to understand that it's not about the Alliance. It's about the kingdom of God, right? Like, that's why we do this. Um, so, and I apologize to some of you that you came in and you said, um, are you speaking this week? No, I'm not. Next week, I'll be back. Um, it's weird to have two speakers right in a row, um, but this is absolutely, from Gene, something you need to hear because I called it the ligaments. He corrected me. It is not the ligaments. He is an arm. So, but I pray that this is a blessing for you so that you can see the greater picture of God's work. Okay? So, turn it over to you. Thank you. God Thanks, Pastor Jeremiah. I was explaining to Jim uh, first service that in addition to the light bulbs, I've been saving up some used matches for him. <laughs> but don't worry, I tested each one and they're just fine. <laughs> well, as my wife and I came here this time, my wife Jennifer is, is seated just here. We were uh, very pleased to see 40 years being celebrated by this church. Forty years ago, she and I were teenagers in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, had friends there who uh, also had roots here and traveled back and forth. The Kell family, Herb Kell, and uh, and uh, know that they were part, started, part of the, getting this church started here, and uh, also influential in our lives as we were getting started on track. So as we think back over the time, over those 40 years, been 40 years for this church, been 20 years for us with Mission Aviation Fellowship. I wanted to take some time here today and look back over what God has done and also look forward to the things that he is doing and yet will do. And so uh, we'll begin today by looking at some scripture, Psalm uh, 105 and some verses that are there. Let me read these to you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known among... Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing praise to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? O Lord, our hearts do rejoice in you, for you are good. And we can look back over the years and see those things that you have done. We can see those things that you have done in our lives personally. You can see those things that you've done in our communities. We thank you for things you've done in our churches. We thank you for those things that you've done around the world in calling people from every tribe and tongue and language and nation to praise your name together. And Lord, how we look forward to when these songs that we've sung this morning will be amplified a million fold as we gather around your throne and sing your praises. Well, Lord, as we look to you over these next few minutes and consider those things that you have done, we ask that you would encourage our hearts to continue on. We praise your great name. And so we'll begin today by taking a little look backward and, and seeing things that are done. We'll take a, a look backward over things that have happened in, in uh, our lives and the lives of the mission. But as part of that, I also want to take your attention into that psalm again and take a look at a number, another verse 
that uh, was in there for us. Psalm 105.5. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments that he has uttered. Because God has done miraculous things in our lives. He has uttered those judgments and done those things that were good. Jen and I both grew up in the Christian Missionary Alliance. She's a preacher's kid, and I'm a missionary kid. She grew up in Southern California. I grew up in Indonesia, what is now Papua, Indonesia. At that time, it was Irian Jaya, Indonesia. Before that, it was New Guinea. You might have known it by a variety of names over the years. But nevertheless, God was good and active in our lives, and as young people began that call to us to, to move into something, now, there were twists and turns in that journey. I had uh, a life as an engineer working for Boeing in, uh, in some early years. It was nine years there. And through that time, Jen and I got married and began a family. And through that, God be- kept working on our hearts and began to call us into missions. And so it was 20 years ago that we joined Mission Aviation Fellowship. And some people thought that was ridiculous, that uh, she would give up her career in nursing and I would give up mine in engineering They thought we were a bit out of our tree to be doing that. So we took our first prayer card photo to prove that we were indeed not out of our tree. (laughs) But, you know, life takes its twists and its turns. And we, uh, as we joined MF at that time, believed that God was calling us into the forests and jungles of, of the Amazon into Venezuela. And yet as we prepared for that, as we were in language school, some things happened, and things began to change. Jen uh, fell with some chronic illnesses that are still with her to this day. The leadership of Venezuela changed, and they changed their policy toward missions that were there and asked the mission groups that were ministering there in the Amazon, both MAF and the groups that they were serving, to pull out and to leave. And so that year brought great change. As we had hoped to be going that direction, and found that God was calling us in a different direction. And that would take its own time to tell its own story. But we found ourselves in a place of having said yes to God to go overseas, to now having to say yes to God to come back to the United States. And we argued with him, that wasn't a fair question, to, to say yes to come back. And he put the question to us, Are you in this because you are worshiping me and following me or because you're worshiping and following your own ideas of how you can be great? Wow, yeah. Be sure that we are following God and not our ideas of what God has. And you each, I know, each of you have your own stories of those difficult twists and turns that God has called you to and through and you've seen his goodness in it. You see that our families expanded a little bit there and One of those interesting changes that God called us to was to adopt a couple teenage girls out of Haiti. And as they joined us, they brought great joy into our family. But as so often happens with with children that grew up in orphanages, they also brought abuse and trauma with them that affected their lives. And then beyond that, one of them, uh, we discovered, fell into fairly deep uh, problems with mental health, mental illness. And she is still wrestling with that. And so we found through those twists and turns that God doesn't always give us a life that's easy when we follow him. And yet he invites us, looking again at this psalm, to seek him, to seek his strength 
as he calls us into those things that he would have us do. Seek his presence in what he is having us do. And in those things, we find that he is enough, that he is the strength, and therefore he gets the glory. And so we're grateful that God directed our paths away from the Amazon and into something else and into the lives of these girls where they can bless us and we them. And so, yeah, as you've seen these prayer card photos through the years, you see the coppers left my hair, and yet I'm still glad for what God has called us to do. We've been these 20 years with Mission Aviation Fellowship and 18 of those years on loan to Moody Bible Institute where I'm teaching, and we'll come to that in just a moment. But let's go back, because some of you, I think, are probably quite familiar with Mission Aviation Fellowship and what they do, and others are perhaps not. So let me fill you in on what this organization is and what it does around the world. MEF, MEF, that's an interesting name because there are many MAFs around the world, Mission Aviation Fellowship. After World War II, God called on the hearts of like-minded people from around the world to start an organization, to start organizations that would use airplanes to get into those hard-to-reach places. And so there is an MAF U.S., there's an MAF United Kingdom, there's an MAF Europe, there's an MAF Australia, there's an MAF New Zealand, and all these different organizations, well, separate, are also united. We share a name, we share a logo, we share a purpose, we share people and equipment back and forth, and we thank God for the unity that he allows us to find in that ministry. The dots that you see represented on this map in different colors represent those places that different MAFs are serving. All of these places are places where MAF US is serving. And some of those in partnership with some of the other MAFs, there are some places there that are, are not, that where other international MAFs are serving that are not represented. And some places I'm, I'm going to bring to us to later where we have places where we cannot put on the map for reasons that you'll begin to understand. MF has been around for 78 years, again, forming shortly after World War II. I have 114 MAF missionary families that are living and working overseas because that's where they need to be. They serve years at a time at a place and come back, just as CMA missionaries do, uh, for times back in the U.S. to rest, refresh, to share what God is doing. And so they live and work over there. And MAF has also found it good and helpful to hire some 300 local people from those different places that are on staff and faithfully serving in carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah, Pastor uh, pointed out that MAF is like an arm. If we have missionaries with the Christian Missionary Alliance and with other organizations that are the fingertips that are out in those most remote places, in those most difficult places, they cannot be there and cannot be ministering unless they're supported, unless they are given transportation to those places and support for being there. And so MAF is that arm that allows them to be to that place. And that arm, that hand, those are all parts of the body of Christ, just as you are. We together are the body of Christ. And the things that I'm going to describe to you are things that God has called us together to do. And we together are doing. And I know that some of you have been faithfully committed to the work of missions around the world over the years. And I thank you for that because these are, these are things done 
in partnership. Just some quick statistics to give you an idea of the scope of what MAF does. Just looking at last year and the work that MAF did last year in their little airplanes around the world, they hold 6 million pounds of cargo, serving 52,000 passengers, going to over 300 different destinations. And this last statistic was very interesting to me, that if you just look at the number of places served, that statistic would make MAF the fourth largest airline in the world by the count of destinations that they serve. Most of those destinations would not be names that you recognize, and most of them don't have a beautiful terminal building with a baggage claim. But nevertheless, they are places that are served by this, these little airplanes. And so about these little airplanes, we have 39 different airplanes in the fleet, seven different types of airplanes, but pretty much all of them are small enough you could fit one in this room. And so they are not big because they are landing in small places. And last year, those little airplanes combined flew over a million miles. So what difference does that make? What difference does that make? If uh, the people that rode those airplanes were instead to take the alternate form of transportation, to go those last miles without riding in a mission airplane, how would they do that? Well, those last miles, they would have to walk sometimes for days or even weeks, or take a small boat because the car can't get them there. And so those difference in days between the few minutes in the airplane and the days on the trail, if we added those all up for all of the passengers that rode in the airplane, that's 42,000 days that were saved last year. Days that instead of walking along a trail were put into ministry. And so we begin to see the value of the little airplane in getting to those places. So why does MEF do this? We have their vision and their mission statement that describe these things for us. MEF, and this again serves all of the MEFs around the world. I'm so pleased that God has brought us all together to fashion these statements and to see the heart of what we do. It is to see isolated people changed by the love of Christ. Isolated people changed. And we're going to see in the next few minutes what that means, that people are isolated. Then how do they do that? How do they do that? They do that serving together to bring help, hope, and healing through aviation. As we're going to see, some of these things that we do are very overtly in the name of Christ. And other things have to be a little bit pulled back because of the places where we go. You can't wave that banner quite that hard. And yet in those places, people are still interested in receiving help and hope and healing. And so we are there and working in those places where we can boldly proclaim the name of Christ and also in those places where we do it a bit more quietly. So let's think about what it means to be isolated. Our world population is somewhere on the order of 8 billion now. I didn't count them recently myself. I'm taking someone's word for that. And yet a billion of those people are beyond the end of the road. So even if you were on the correct continent, you still could not get there in a car. You just can't get there because they are inaccessible because of a variety of reasons. 
And what are those reasons? We're going to look at a few obstacles that would keep you from getting to them other than by a little airplane. The first of those obstacles is that there is no infrastructure available to get there. Now, my wife and I, over the last couple of days, drove here from Spokane, Washington. So we drove down the highways and we drove at good speed because the highways were in good condition and our car is a mess with you know, the residue of snow out there and yet it was comfortable, it was safe, but so many places we can't do that. MAF was born in the minds of a number of different people that came together those many years ago. One of those was a missionary who prior to World War II was trying to get into the interior parts of the island of Borneo in what is now Kalimantan, Indonesia. And so he was laboring upriver to get into the interior of that island. And he had been going upriver for several days, dragging his boat up the river. And so one day he stopped in the middle of the day to take some lunch. And as he stopped, he looked back down the river and after several hours, he could still see the beach where he had started that morning. And yeah, ugh. And at that moment, a bird effortlessly flew over his head, just going up river. And he said, Lord, I need an airplane. It was several years, the war intervened, and yet after the war, he was able to, to gather together with others whose God, hearts God was calling to this purpose. And so these organizations were formed and brought airplanes and began to serve. And today, MEF is still serving in Kalimantan on the island of Borneo and reaching the interior of that island in minutes instead of in days. And those rivers are still there. And this picture is a fairly recent one from Kalimantan of what those rivers look like. And so places where infrastructure is still not available. Another obstacle deteriorating infrastructure. There are many places. I, I think of the great continent of Africa, so vast that the United States could fit within the northern part of Africa and just disappear into it with room all around. It's a big, big, big place. And decades ago, good roads were built across a lot of those jungles. And yet the jungles <laughs> do what God appointed them to do and they grow and thrive and they overtake those roads again. And so now the roads are far fewer and far worse condition than what they were many years ago. And so places where the infrastructure has deteriorated and decayed, there is a greater and increasing need for mission aviation. Yet another form of obstacle that requires aviation. There may be places, there are places on this planet where you could take a road and take a car to get somewhere and yet it's not safe or secure to do so. On your way there, you might encounter people who would relieve you of your luggage, okay, and offer to carry that away for you, or maybe even do worse. And so it's much safer and more effective to get in the airplane and go up and over those hazardous areas to get into the place where you would want to serve. So those are the obstacles that are overcome as we try to get to those people whom are isolated. But how do we bring that hope, help, and healing to those people? That also comes in several different forms. And before I get into that, I want to hold up for you a calendar. I've, we've got some calendars on the table out here, and I know we're in February, and so even a 2024 calendar 
is beginning to lose its shine a little bit because you've already got your calendars up. And yet this calendar is special to me. And so I'm going to invite you to pick up a calendar as you leave. As we look through the calendars, I open it to a page from Kalimantan. And the picture here was taken by Joel Driscoll, whose picture I'm going to show you in just a moment. These are people and places that are dear to me. As I think over the 18 years that we have been at Moody Bible Institute in training people, of the 12 pictures in this calendar, nine are either of or by students that I help train. And two more of those, one was a man who helped train me, and another one was a classmate. And so I look back over these years, and I thank God for not only for the legacy of MAF, but even for what he's beginning to let us do. And I look at the disappointment that we had in not being able to go to Venezuela those years ago, and yet God called us into a place where our ministry is multiplied, and we're pouring into other young people, and they are going out, and we're seeing that happen. But let me put down my calendar and take you into some of these stories. How do we bring that hope, help, and healing? There are places around the world where missions still looks fairly traditional. I think of Papua, Irianjaya, where I grew up. And uh, out on your missionary wall out here, where there's a picture of Buzz and Myrna Maxi, a little bit older than I am. And yet we grew up in that same place, and they're still out there ministering. This picture that we have here is the inside of an airplane, and the men you see there are pastors, Papuan pastors, perhaps third generation from when the senior Maxis first went into those places and first began to share the gospel ever. And people turned their hearts to the Lord. And now here are their grandsons, pastors, and wanting to minister. And they're on their way here to a pastor's conference to learn more, to be refreshed, to be able to carry those words deeper into those jungles and reach more people with them. So they're encouraged in heart and able to continue. And so this is what I called kind of the traditional face of missions. And yet even that is changing as the people in the airlines are, are airplanes are less and less the North American missionary and more and more the native pastor and evangelist. And we thank God for that transition and thank God that we can still be there and serve. Now, the people in the other photo, there's Alex and his family. I helped train Alex, and they are out there, and they are serving, and that has not been without its cost. A few years ago, Alex flew his plane into one of those remote places, and he was met by a group of rebels who had complaints against the government, and to try to illustrate their complaints, they took him captive, and they destroyed his airplane, and they held him the local church there was able to get him away from those people and to hike him over the mountains and to get him to safety. And in due time, he was able to fly back into that same place and to encourage that church and those pastors again. And so I thank God that Alex was trained and he is firm of heart and continues working there among those people. What else do we see? We also see a medical aspect of bringing hope, help, and healing. And this has been a long part of what MAF has done over the years. In those very remote places, it's very difficult often to find good medical care, and yet it's very easy to find ways to get hurt. 
Okay? All sorts of things are after you out there. Lots of ways to get hurt. And so there is a great need to transport people to medical care. The bright spot you see in the sea of people there are, is a, a person being carried on a blanket between poles, being carried to the airplane to be carried out to a hospital. This picture is from Kalimantan, from Borneo, into this place where ordinary, or in the past it would have taken weeks. And here it's a matter of minutes to get this person out to a hospital. Even there, MAF is seeking to help and to bring encouragement. And so there, across the street from the hospital, they bought a house and they set it up as a guest house so that when these people from the mountain villages arrive there in the city and they don't know anyone and they don't have resources and they don't have any place to go, MAF can say, here's a guest house. Go ahead, stay here. It's across the street from the hospital. Take care of your people. And they ask, why are you doing this? And it's yet another opportunity to put forth the name of Christ in his love for people, not only in practical matters like this, but for their salvation. And so we see that happening. The people standing there are Joel and his family. I helped train Joel. And he's out there among several others that I helped train that are bringing hope, help, and healing in that place. The other, another thing that MAF does is they bring relief for disasters. And disasters crop up from tsunamis to earthquakes to landslides. Over and over again, these things are happening. And the scripture tells us that these things will continue to happen. These are the birth pangs of what is yet to come, the scriptures tell us. And yet we are called to step into those things and to bring that hope. And so MAF has a dedicated group of people that are there to bring that relief that on a moment's notice can drop everything and get anywhere in the world. But so often, by God's design, we already have people there living and working. And so we see this illustrated in the Congo. We've got uh, the, the pilot there unloading the airplane is Emmanuel. He was one of my classmates and unloading supplies to help with the Ebola crisis from a few years ago. The picture next to him is a, as a family, again, I, I helped work with them. This is Ben and his family. I trained them and they are there working along with Emmanuel to bring hope, help, and healing in that place. Another way that MAF works around the world is in community development. And so often people are living in, in deep, deep poverty and they are looking for opportunities to improve their financial situation so that they can get medical help for their children, they can send them to school, just as any of us would want to. And so MAF provides those opportunities. The uh, fluffy white or yellow there in the boxes you see are chicks that are being transported out to remote places in Haiti where farmers and other people can raise them into chickens and have eggs and meat and so improve their lives. The man standing there is a Haitian. His name is Zachary. He grew up there. He began working in the MAF hangar. The pilots there saw promise in him and began training him informally. And so he learned some skills. And then they sent him to the United States. He trained at another school for a while. And then he came to Moody and got his final bit of polish. And then he went back to MAF and received his stamp of approval to be a mission pilot with MAF and returned to Haiti to serve there among his own people, 
providing all sorts of hope, help, and healing in that place. Yet another way is long-term aid. And that long-term aid allows MAF to get into places where they don't go under the name of Mission Aviation Fellowship because that name is not welcome there. And I've given hints to this earlier. And this is why we have a stick figure family here. But I know people that are here. Arriving in that place are Ollie and Andrew, good dear friends, young men that I've trained that are going into a place, a place that you would know if I named it, a place of great difficulty. And yet we cannot go under there, you know, holding aloft a Bible and saying the name of Christ. And yet we are there and we are ministering and working under a regime that would be very opposed to those things, but they want that hope, help, and healing. And so we have a gospel witness quietly, and it's reaching out, and the church is growing there. And we thank God that we can be there because we are that arm that that government wants to be there. And so you've seen the isolation that separates people. You've seen the opportunities that MAF has stepped into to make that happen. And now I want to raise some questions along with Paul, questions that he raised in the book of Romans, and then take that to a further question. So Paul wrote there, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And I know that these verses are dear to your hearts. As people that are associated with the Christian Missionary Alliance, you are very much into sending people to go. And yet I also know that this question I've tacked on the end is also one that makes a lot of sense to you. How can they go unless they are trained? You know that from a theological perspective. I think you also understand that from a technical perspective. How many of you would be willing to get in this small plane and take off from this airstrip with a pilot who did not know what he was doing? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want somebody who is well trained. So this brings us to Moody Aviation and why MAF has thought it good for the last 18 years to put us on loan to Moody Bible Institute to help them train. A little bit of history there. Moody itself followed MAF by not too many years. 76 years ago, it was founded by Paul Robinson. He himself wanted to be a missionary pilot, but he saw the need to train other missionary pilots to expand that operation. And so he approached the Moody Bible Institute and they began that mission training program. And over the years, God has blessed that. And so it is great joy for me to, to know that I am one of over half the mission pilots who have ever served have been trained by Moody Bible Institute. An amazing and beautiful legacy. What does Moody do? We prepare Christ-following professional aviators for mission aviation. There's a very professional aspect to what we do. Yeah, we fly small airplanes out of interesting-looking places, but to do that with great professionalism and great safety. Because if there's an accident, how is that helpful in any re regard? Not at all. And so we want to do that with great technical excellence, but also to do that in the name of Christ and to do that very, very well. And so our mission training program is an extensive one. It's a bachelor's degree, but it's a five-year bachelor's degree. All of our students go through that. 
they begin with a very strong foundation in Bible and theology and missiology. They all go through aviation maintenance training and earn their A&P certificate for those who understand what that means. And then there's a, a track where they can either go for greater maintenance training and end up being that guy that runs the shop or woman, or they go into flying and earn their commercial pilot certificate, in instrument rating, and certain endorsements that allow them to fly effectively. So what is my role in all of that? I wear several different hats there. I'm a flight instructor, so I work in the airplane. Here I am with Ben Samuelson, whose picture you saw earlier, as we are actually, that flight was spin training that I did with him. So I do fly in the airplane. I also work in the classroom, teaching a variety of subjects there. I teach the aerodynamic sequence. So not only did I grow up in Indonesia as a missionary kid, but I, uh, I also was that Boeing engineer, and I have that training as an aeronautical engineer, and then experience being with MAF as a missionary. And God brought those three things together into my life, into this time and place where he has fitted me effectively to do this. And so I can draw on that and teach in that classroom and teach well. I enjoy those things. I, I also wear a safety hat there and, and do a variety of things. I've written some of our pretty thick safety manuals that I'm grateful we don't often have to use. Um, the most joyful thing for me is the last one on our list there, that I can mentor. I love it, and it happens frequently when a student will come in and say, can we talk? And I'll say, yeah. We'll kick the office door shut, and they'll begin to unpack life. And we'll just begin to apply scripture to what they're going through. And we see Christ formed in them to a greater measure as they're preparing them to go out and do those things. I think of a student I just started working with a couple weeks ago. Her name is Rachel. And she's one of those, and I'll tell you frankly, that she was one that when I first saw her, I was tempted to dismiss because of what I saw. And God corrected me on that. Aren't you glad God doesn't stop correcting you? He corrected me on that. He brought her into my life, and I was brought to a place where I was to instruct her in these technical things. But in that process, I began to see her into her heart. And she's one of those who said, can we talk? And she began to unpack the deep pain that she had gone through in her life that had manifested in some of the ways that she dressed and, and, and showed herself, that those things that had put me off a little bit. And I saw behind those things that represented her pain, a journey that God had taken her through and was bringing her through and bringing her out the other side and working in her to form the image of Christ in her. And I was so grateful to see that transformation and the heart that was growing in her to reach the ends of the earth for Christ. And so she represents our young people. The students that come through Moody have changed a bit since the 20 years ago that I went through there and the 78 years ago that that school started. You can see the young people around you and see some of those things that they struggle with, and yet God is still calling a generation forth. So let's thank God that he is doing that, but also pray for them as they come out of the struggles that they face, that they would seek God and his strength continually and find that so that they can move into those things. And so looking forward, what do we see? I've not saved much time for this, but thinking back over what God has done, we can stand in great faith as we look forward to what we believe that he is going to continue to do. 
And we know that he is calling forth his church from around the world. And that he is calling each one of us to participate in that. We think of uh, Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3. He says, But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so I've alluded to this, but let me bring it full circle. This is not my show or Joel's show or Rachel's show. We together are the body of Christ. This is Christ's mission. We are doing this together. And so Joel is there in, in, the, in Kalimantan doing that work in part because I was able to help train him in part because you all were praying, in part because you and people like you were supporting people like me with Mission Aviation Fellowship, some of us who are on loan to Moody Bible Institute. And so people like Rachel don't have to pay through their tuition my salary so that they can get out there and do that work. And so I hope you've seen through my many words here that we together are part of what God is doing. You are part of this process. I want to thank you for your partnership in what you've done. This church is one that's been dear to our heart for many years. We've visited here many times over the years. And it's a fun place. We look at your picture wall in the back and see where you all are from and heard some of those stories even this morning. And Jen and I we'll see a gift come in and it comes in from South Dakota and I, who do we know in South Dakota? We don't know anybody in South Dakota. Oh, wait, that was Quartzite, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so you encourage our hearts and you allow us to continue and we thank you for that. We've got a table out there and on that table we've got a prayer card and we invite you to pick that up, take it, pray for us. We've got some calendars if you want to look through that and see what God has been doing. You can take one of those. If you want to know more about ways that people can be involved. There are lots of ways from volunteering in the machine shop at MAF headquarters to advocating for MAF to uh, going as a pilot or a mechanic or a teacher or a computer specialist. So if you or a young person in your life is interested in those things, stop by and talk to us. We'd love to tell you how to be a little bit more involved in what God is doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gene. Yeah. Well, the worship team's going to come on up, but I want to, can we pray for Jean and pray for their work? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jean. We thank you for Jen. We thank you for the life that you have called them to. Father, we, we thank you that you've put him in the place where training happens, where young men and women get the skills that are needed for the plans that you had for them from the moment you knitted them together that you had for them. So, Father, we pray for those that are out there, the pilots, the mechanics, the families of, of them, that you protect them, keep them safe, keep them going, that they would continue to be the arm that helps others share the gospel. So, Father, we thank you for them, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm.